This is Pastor Rick's Daily Hope, the Bible teaching ministry of Pastor Rick Warren. Today, we continue with a series based on the 23rd Psalm called Living in the Goodness of God. In these lessons, you'll discover that God is good all the time, even in life's most difficult circumstances. And you'll experience the hope and favor that spring from God's divine goodness. Now in just a few moments, we're going to let you know how you can get your very own copy of Open Doors, A Year of Daily Devotions book. It's a beautiful hardcover book with 365 devotionals from Pastor Rick that offer daily encouragement from the Bible. You can take a sneak peek right now by going to PastorRick.com while you listen or text the word DAILY to 800-600-5004 to find out more. Right now, here's Pastor Rick Warren with part two of a message called How God's Goodness Can Restore You. Another way we try to deal with guilt is, um, is compromise. And that's the whole idea of, well, um, I'm feeling guilty, and here's the standard, so um, what I think I'll do is I'll just lower my standard, and then I won't feel guilty anymore. And I'll say, I don't believe that's a sin anymore. How's that working for you? Again, it's trying to convince your heart what your conscience knows is wrong. And compromising, you know, uh, maybe if I just do it enough, then it won't be a sin anymore. Right. Get back to me on that one. Uh, here's, here's another one that we try to do. When we feel guilty, we blame other people. Because if we can put the blame on them, it gets the focus off us. Now, couples do this all the time. Boyfriend, girlfriend, husband's wife, parents, kids. And it goes like this. There's a scale in your mind, and on one side is blame, and on the other side is um, guilt. And in this, in, the only way you can feel good about yourself is if it's kind of balanced. So when you do something wrong like this, you have to have somebody else to blame because you did that, yeah, but you did that. You did that, yeah, but you did that. But you did that, yeah, but you remember that really big thing you did? There are people who one of a spouse had really gone over the edge in a wrong way. But they've come back and they said, I'm sorry, I, I, I apologize, I want to rebuild trust, I want to I make this marriage work but this person won't let them off the hook, the other one. And no matter how many good things this person does, they all, yeah, but you did that. And I, if you're doing that with a spouse, you're killing your marriage because you become unpleasable. You're acting like you're God, you're not. Anybody could hold you accountable for stuff you've done too. And so blaming doesn't work. We say blame is spelled be lame and you, it just makes you lame. When you do that, every time you blame, you are being lame. So you blame others, you got the scale in your mind. And by, which is, by the way, why people don't want to forgive. Because if I, can, if I don't forgive you, then I can keep blaming you for that. You see, if I'm trying to balance between guilt and blame in my life, and all of a sudden, I, you ask for forgiveness, and that sets me off balance, and I say, sure, I forgive you. Now I don't have anything to blame anymore, on this side, so what happens? The scale tilts toward me, and I feel bad. So I don't want to forgive you because then all, it's all on me. There's nothing to even the scales. And you keep yourself in tension all the time. 
Your, your soul needs to be restored. It's being chipped away at. It's being eaten at. It's being like little bacteria, like a virus. It's just working on your heart, making it smaller and smaller and smaller. One other way that doesn't work. We've talked about rationalizing, you know, compromising, minimizing, uh, blaming. Uh, uh, one is, well, I'll just beat myself up. And for the rest of your life, you're trying to atone for your own sins. You're trying to make up for it. And a lot of people actually sabotage their own success and don't realize they're doing it. Because they feel about guilty about something in the past and they feel unworthy. And because they feel unworthy, they go, well, you know, it's, this is too good. I shouldn't be getting this much blessing. I know what I've done. I know all the things. I'm not worthy of this. And as a result, you start setting yourself up for failure. You beat yourself up. Because internally you go, well, I've done something wrong. Somebody's got to pay for it. And subconsciously we try to pay for our mistakes and our sins by getting sick or failing. Um, and it can cause all kinds of stuff. Guilt can make you depressed. It can make you despaired. It can set you up for failure. I don't deserve to succeed. None of those things work. There's only one thing that works to get rid of unconfessed guilt. Confess it. Just admit it. The word confession in the Bible, in Greek, is the word homo logeo. Homo, we know what that means, it means same. Logeo is the word to speak. Confession simply means to agree with God. You're right, God, that was wrong. I don't deny it, I don't minimize it, I don't rationalize it, I don't compromise it, I don't blame other people, I don't belittle myself, I don't beat myself up, I just admit it. We'll come back to that. Number three. The third thing that destroys your soul is not unaddressed grudges or unconfessed guilt. It's unprocessed grief. Unprocessed grief. Now, you're going to have grief in life because you're going to have losses. There is no growth in life without change. There is no change in life without loss because you give up some old to get some new. There's no loss without pain and there's no pain without grief. So you gotta learn how to grieve good. Now, grief is not a bad thing. Guilt's a bad thing, grudges are a bad thing. Grief is actually a good thing. It's the way we get through the transitions of life. What is a bad thing is unprocessed grief. You haven't learned how to, to deal with it, how to go through the, the stages of grief. In Psalm 31, verse nine, David says, Lord, have mercy, because I'm in misery. He, he's grieving. He's grieving. I'm in misery. My eyes are weak from so much crying and my whole body, whole being is tired from grief. Now, if grudges don't get you guilt will and if guilt doesn't get you grief will and all of us can have these things that kind of eat away at our soul, the way we think, the way we feel and the decisions we make. Now, the question is, how does Jesus our good shepherd, the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything I need. How in the world does he help me with my grudges and my guilt and my grief? Three ways he does it. Here's how he does it. First, when we are hurt by others, Jesus turns my hurts into holiness. I need to explain this. Jesus turns my hurts into holiness. What I'm saying is that God brings good out of bad. He brings good out of evil. 
He has a way of turning things around. The stuff that happens to you, it's not all good. There's a lot of bad stuff that happens to you. But God says, I can turn it around. I can transform it. I can bring good out of evil. Let's look at some verses. It is the goodness of God that allows this. Now, one of the most famous verses in the Bible is Romans 8, verse 28. We keep coming back to this verse. Why? Because you keep getting hurt. You have guilt, you have grief, and you have grudges. And so you need to understand that God says, yes, I know that happened, but I can bring good even out of that. Romans 8, 28, one of the greatest promises in the Bible. We know that in all things, circle the word in, that in all things. It doesn't say all things, it says in all things. God works for the good of those who love him. Let me stop right there. This is not a promise for everybody. It's a promise for those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. We know that not everything that happens to you is good. There's a lot of bad things that are happening to you. Decisions that you make that are bad and uh, decisions that other people make that are bad for you. There's diseases, there's all kinds of accidents and things like that. Nobody's saying God is a Pollyanna optimist who say, you know, the sun will come out tomorrow. It doesn't always come out tomorrow. Reality is the sun does not always come out tomorrow. And that's the difference between optimism and hope. Hope is based on a certainty, but optimism is based on uh, you know, just wishful thinking, Pollyanna. It's, it'll, it'll come out all right. We know that in all things, God works for the good. It's not all good, but God says, you know what, I can take even that. Can God take the bad things people do to do me, to do against me, and use it for good? Yes. Can God even take my own sins and bring good out of them? My own mistakes and bring good out of them? Yes. Can God take my own weaknesses and my damaged will and my damaged mind and my damaged heart, my emotions and my way I think, can God work even in that for good? Yes. Now not everybody else can do that. Anybody can bring good out of good. But God specializes in bringing good out of the bad in your life. And he turns my hurts into holiness. I, you know, sitting down this morning and I just start thinking of all the different ways God uses bad things in your life for good in your life. And I actually made a list. He turns my hurts into holiness. He turns my wounds, the things that hurt me, uh, into wisdom. You're a lot smarter after you've gone through that. He turns my pain into gain. He uses correction to bring me to perfection. He uses offenses to remove my pretenses. You're a lot more humble if you get criticized. He uses my bruises for good. They're not good, those bruises aren't good. But he can use my, use my bruise. He, he uses my bruises for good. And when others want to bash me, God uses it to bless me. That's the kind of God God is. He's a good God. The Lord is my shepherd. He knows how to bring good even out of bad. Now Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good, is a wonderful promise. But it makes no sense at all unless you read Romans 8, 29. 
the verse right underneath it, which explains why God uses everything for his purpose. And what is his purpose? His purpose is to build your character. He uses the conflicts and the crises to turn you into your character. And he wants to make you like Jesus. Look at verse 29, it's up here on the screen. Romans 8, 29 says this. God knew his purpose from the very beginning. So it's not a big surprise to God. Before you even created, he knew what he wanted to do with your life. He planned in advance that all of us in God's family, here's the key, would become like Jesus, his own son. God wants a family for eternity. And God wants you to be his child. And he sent Jesus to show what a child of God is like. You want to know what God wants you to become like? Look at the character of Christ. Now listen. God is far more interested in your character than he is in your comfort. You know, people act like, well, I don't understand it. Things aren't going good for me, uh, and I, I'm trusting God. Did God ever promise that everything will go the way you want it to go? No, because if it did, you'd be the selfish little snot. If you got everything you wanted in life, this life is preparation for the next. In heaven, there's no sorrow. There's no suffering. There's no sickness. There's no sadness. Uh, you know, there are no people throwing you know, arrows and barbs at you. This is the preschool. This is the character development stage. God wants you to grow up before you go to heaven. And so when you go through tough times, you should never ask, hmm, why is this happening? I'll tell you why. Romans 8, 29, to make you like Jesus. And the question you should ask anytime you go through any difficult time is not, why is this happening? Or why is this happening to me? Or why is this happening now? The question you should be asking is, what? What do you want to teach me, God? What character development you want me to grow like. God is far more interested in your character, what you're becoming, than he is in your comfort. Yes, God wants you to be comfortable, but he's not gonna give you comfort at the expense of character. You're gonna be comfortable for trillions of years in heaven. Right now, he wants you to become like Christ. So what is Jesus like? Romans 8, 28 says he wants to make me like Christ using all things, verse 29, well, the perfect picture of Jesus is called the fruit of the Spirit. It's Galatians 5, uh, 23 and 24. In Galatians, it says nine qualities. The fruit of the Spirit is love. God wants you to be loving. Joy, God wants you to learn real joy. Peace, God wants you to learn real peace. Patience, God wants you to learn patience. Goodness and gentleness and, and faithfulness and self-control. There are nine qualities there. And when you look at those nine qualities, you know what they are? Perfect picture of Jesus. Jesus is total love, total joy, total peace, total patience. So you can wake up every morning and say, well, Lord, I don't know which one of these you're going to teach me today. Patience? How does God teach you patience? Waiting. When you, have you ever had to sit in God's waiting room? Have you ever been in a hurry and God wasn't? The number one way God teaches you patience? Department of Motor Vehicles. So God often teaches you those qualities in the exact opposite situation. You learn love being around unlovely people. You learn joy in the middle of grief. You learn peace in the middle of chaos. But if God's gonna teach you real peace, he'll put you in the middle of chaos. Some of you are in it right now. Patience, 
Gentleness, how does God teach you gentleness? With people who annoy you to death. Don't look at them, but you know who they are. <laughs> Teaching you how to be gentle. Self-control, there are lots of ways he teaches you self-control. And, and so God says, um, I, I want to turn your hurts into holiness. Um, and what's the purpose? Put Romans 8.29 back on the screen. God knew his purpose from the very beginning and he planned in advance that all of God's family would become like Jesus. That's the number one goal God has for your life. Not comfort, but character. Be like Jesus' his son. Now God's son is the firstborn of restored humanity. There's that word restoration, restored. He restores my soul. We're all broken. We all have broken relationships, broken minds, broken emotions, broken wills. We are all broken. And God says, I want to restore humanity to the original position I created it to be in the Garden of Eden. So I'm sending Jesus to come and die for your sins. And it says then on the screen, so we see the intended shape of our lives in him. Look at Jesus and you'll know what God wants to do in your life. We see the intended shape of our lives in him and he will have many brothers and sisters in God's eternal family, like father, like son, like father, like daughter. He wants you to become not a God, but godly. Now, Genesis 50 verse 20 explains then why God allows people to hurt you. Knowing what God's goal is, in verse 50 verse 20 he says, you intended it to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. This is a quote from a guy named Joseph. Joseph had every reason to have unaddressed grudges because his own family sold him into slavery. He was one of the youngest kids in the family and his older brothers didn't like him. They thought he was pompous, they didn't like him at all. So they took him and threw him in a pit and told the father that a bear had eaten him. And then he's living in this pit by himself and uh, some slave traders come by on their way to Egypt and the brothers pull him out, sell him into slavery. He's taken down to Egypt, and he's hired out as a slave to a guy named Potiphar, and Potiphar's wife is a seductive woman, and she gets the hots for Joseph, and she tries to seduce him, and he says, I'm not going to do that. I have integrity. I, I serve the God of, you know, of the ages. I serve the Almighty God, and so she's spurned. She's scorned. What does she do? She screams and claims that he's taken advantage of her. And falsely accused, he's thrown into prison. The first 40 years of his entire life, nothing goes right. Some of you might identify with that. He's thrown into a pit, he's rejected by his family, he's sold into slavery, he's taken to a foreign country, he's falsely accused, he's put in prison. God had him exactly where he wanted him to be. And the second half of his life looked a whole lot brighter because out of that, through a series of circumstances, he's raised up to be the second most powerful man under Pharaoh in Egypt, which was the most powerful empire in the world at that time. And he not only saves Egypt from a famine, but he saves all of the Middle East from a famine. And when he finally comes face to face with his brothers many years later, and they come to buy grain from, Europe, from, uh, from Egypt, he looks at him and he says, you meant it for bad. Let's don't beat around the bush. You didn't like me. You meant it for bad. But 
God meant it for good. And God's bigger than you. And God can bring good things out of even bad things. When you learn that, you will begin to rebuild your soul. The broken thoughts, the broken emotions, and the broken choosing of decision-making in your will. So God says, I will turn your hurts into holiness if you will trust me. Number two, what about when, when we do wrong? What about when we sin? What about when we have that unconfessed guilt? How does God, the good shepherd, deal with that? Well, God's a good God, and here's the answer. When we do wrong, Jesus takes my sin on himself. He says, I'm gonna take your guilt. Please just hand it over to me, and I'm gonna go die on the cross and pay for all your sins so you don't have to pay for your sins. This is the best news in the whole world. We call it the gospel, which is an old English word for good news. And Jesus takes all my guilt on himself. He says, I'm gonna give you all my goodness. It's also called righteousness. I'm gonna give you all my goodness so you can get into heaven and you're go- I'm gonna take all of your guilt and I'm gonna pay for it on the cross. Nearly 700 years before Jesus died on the cross, so that would be about 2,700 years ago, A guy named Isaiah was a prophet and God told him in very specific terms that he was gonna send a savior to the world, a Messiah, to save all our sins and to pay for them. 700 years, he gave him this prophecy. It's in many chapters of Isaiah, but Psalm, I mean, Isaiah 53 is the clearest. And when you read these details, you gotta read that this guy was saying this 700 years before it happened. Only God could have told him this. And in Isaiah 53, verses five and six, it says this about Jesus, 700 years before Jesus arrived. He was wounded and crushed for our sins. This is on the cross. He was beaten and he took our punishment so that we might have peace. And through his wounds, our wounds are healed. All of us have strayed away like sheep. You know, sheep, I told you last week, are not real smart. We've all done our own thing. We've left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the guilt and sins of us all. Now, what I just read to you is the most basic, fundamental truth of the Bible. If this wasn't true, we could all go home right now. Because we wouldn't have anything at all if Jesus Christ hadn't come to pay for your sins. But the most basic truth is that he did. That everything you're gonna do wrong in life, including the stuff you're gonna do tonight, and tomorrow, and next week, and 10 years from today, it's already been paid for. It's already been paid for. You just have to accept God's grace and goodness. That is the goodness of God. This is Pastor Rick's Daily Hope. We are so happy you've chosen to study along with us today. As we start the new year, we often think about setting goals for the months ahead. They give us hope and keep us moving forward. And we know that setting goals is important because the Bible tells us that Jesus set goals. So, Pastor Rick developed a new power pack download to help you successfully kick off the new year. This resource will give you the tools you need to set and achieve your personal goals, God's way. 
This life-changing resource is yours free when you text the word FREE to 800-600-5004. That's the word FREE to 800-600-5004. Rick will be right back to close out our time today, but first, do you want to live in the full and abundant life God desires for you? That only happens when you seek God and spend time in His Word. That's why Pastor Rick put together a 365-day devotional book called Open Doors. Each day features a Bible verse and a short devotional where Pastor Rick, in his engaging and relevant way, makes the Bible easy to understand and apply. As you dive into this book, you'll open the door to greater intimacy with God and experience the love, trust, and the freedom that comes from a deeper relationship with Him. You'll discover God's wisdom to resolve conflict, conquer fear, reduce stress, build healthy relationships, overcome temptation, and so much more. Get open doors today and be encouraged, inspired, and equipped to live out God's plan and purpose for your life. It's a great way to kick off the new year. And today, when you give a gift to help Daily Hope take the certain hope of Jesus to people around the world, we'll send you your very own hardcover copy of Open Doors to Say Thanks. Just go to PastorRick.com right now to get your copy of this amazing resource. Or you can just text the word DAILY to 800-600-5004. That's PastorRick.com or text the word DAILY to 800-600-5004. Thanks so much for your support. Here's Pastor Rick with a closing thought. If you've been blessed by this message today, here's what I want you to do share it. Tell somebody about it. Now, there's a lot of great ways you can share Daily Hope. One of the easiest is by posting it on social media, on Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn or Instagram. But you'll find a share button today next to the message on my website, pastorrick.com. Don't keep the good news to yourself. It's too good to keep to ourselves. We've got to pass it on to others. Thanks for listening today. And join me next time as we continue to look into God's Word for our daily hope. This program is sponsored by Pastor Rick's Daily Hope and your generous financial support.